0: A big, glad. I lift up my eyes Which come up my head What's coming from the Lord Great God Almighty that'll never fail Can't help but tell What He's done for me I lift my soul Give the victory Set my footsteps to walk and ride gave me to see the light, of day, this is the, the day the that the Lord has made, this is the day, this is the day, that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will lift up my eyes, I will lift up eyes. Come my eyes, what come from the Lord, Lord great God of that'll, that'll never stay. Heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad, let the hills be born, let the sea roll back. Let the earth, I let the sea, let the wind, oh yes. and let the rain, oh yes. let the sun, I oh yes. let the moon, I oh yes. let the young oh yes. and let the old oh yes. let the church rejoice, let the church rejoice, let the church rejoice to be exceedingly glad. This is the day that the Lord has made.
1: Good morning and welcome to another broadcast of the uh, study in the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of Christ, of course. We're so pleased to have you here this morning if you're tuned in. um, You know, uh, where we're broadcasting from, we don't experience uh, daylight savings time, so this is a big confusion a couple times a year uh, for some that are tuning in. So if you're listening now, just realize that uh, this program comes on at the same time. Um, but of course, that's the same time, Arizona time. But well, we do welcome you. Hope the, uh, you've had a, a blessed week. We are engrossed in the study of this gospel. And we have spent a number of weeks just going through the dissertation, or actually it's a conversation uh, between Jesus and the Jews that are in Jerusalem for the, uh, the Feast, the Feast of Tabernacles at this time, and he's spent uh, quite a number of uh, days there, so we're going through the teaching that's recorded in the Gospel of John. And we have other uh, cross-references in some of the other Gospels, but this is a very complete. Um, well, I say complete. It may not be complete, but it is certainly what we have recorded. And the questions and the statements and, and the teaching is profound, to say the least. Now, last week, we considered Jesus' words to the Jews concerning the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, the very act, as they, uh, his, her accuser said, and how Jesus turned the tables on them in seeing that they had not brought the man also to be stoned. Now, he didn't say this, but the law says it. The very law they were saying speaking of when they brought the woman to him was the law that, that made it clear that both were to be stoned. Both should have been brought. And then, of course, we have Jesus writing with his finger in the dust of the, the ground. We don't know what he was writing. Maybe it was something to do with they had erred. But nonetheless, he said... To them, that the one without sin cast the first stone, and and the men departed from the oldest to the youngest, one after another, and brought no more accusation against her. And Jesus dismissed her also, with no uh, with no penalty, but that she would go and sin no more, which is the um, the very uh, uh, very clear uh, teaching that uh, all of us need to understand and everyone else. It was absolutely perfect. So, Jesus followed that uh, account that we studied with declaring himself to be the light of the cosmos or the world as our English Bibles say. The light of the cosmos and the possessor of the life. Now, this is not the first time Jesus has said, you know, the the concept of the life. Now, we defined light and we defined life. I hope you remember. Light being phos uh, uh, in the Greek. And what does it mean? What does that light mean? This light. Is never kindled and therefore never quenched. This is the light of God. Okay? Just now, we may have a hard time understanding what it is in our English, but to those standing there, they knew exactly what he meant when he said light. And then he went on to say, the life. Uh, In the same same phrase, that that word for life there is uh, zoe in the Greek. That's how I'd pronounce it. What does it mean? Well, the definition in the Greek starts with this is not physical life. So we can dismiss that completely. But the highest form of the life, that is the life without end. This is the life that Jesus speaks of. He does not. He, he may illustrate physical life, but he will certainly make it clear that that's what he's speaking of. Um, so we have a uh, uh, we have a bit of a problem in our English with not with these words being far far too broadly given. Uh, and uh, they at that time though they did not. They understood what life he was talking about, the life. So this is where he's at. Now, he's going on from here uh, in his teaching. As you'll notice, there's a progression in his teaching. Uh, there's, there's an emotional element to his teaching. It's not just a lecture behind a podium to a still uh, group. This group is not still. This group is is speaking. This group is coming and going. There There are soldiers coming and going. There are leaders coming and going. This is a gathering of people, and the atmosphere is not the lecture hall atmosphere. So let's kind of try to make that fit into our word picture here. Now, the Jews' best defense seems to be The asking of questions, if you'll notice. Now, this is not uncommon. This was a a Jewish idiom in in many ways. And it usually brings a a fairly good response. Um, And I also feel, though, that the asking of these questions, especially the way they're put together, uh, they're trying to cause Jesus to stumble in some way make an error. But the question was simple to say, <laughs> not so simple to understand in their case, case of the Jews. And they said in response to what Jesus has been saying, where is thy father? You know, Jesus keeps referring to his father has sent him. His father has sent him. And every time he says father, who do they think of? Well, some don't know at all. They have no idea who he's speaking of. Others think of Joseph. Others think of, they're you know, they're just not sure. They know his brethren, some of them that are from his area. So let's get into the text in John 8, verse 19. And we'll talk about that. That verse has got a lot of uh, very... Uh, important words in it. So, here's the question. They said, therefore, to him, to Jesus, where is thy father? Jesus Jesus answered, you have neither known me nor my father. If me you had known, my father also you had known. seems like um, uh, a strange thing to say in some ways. It doesn't seem to answer the question except that it does. It does because of the word he used. Now, the Greek word used here for known, and and there are three uh, primary words used for the idea of knowing or knowledge and that sort of thing, but it's... um, Odie. Uh some of the spelling is E-I-D-O and others is E-O. Uh, but the idea of Odi is perception, to perceive. Now, if you're going to perceive something, you have to have something that causes you to perceive. So is Jesus asking the impossible of, of them? What he's saying is... You have not perceived who I am or who my father is. Even though, here, here's the point, even though this word makes it clear that they had an op, they had a, a perfect, um, well, I say perfect, they, they had all of the tools in their toolbox to know the very fact of who was his father. Okay, now let's look at the the work. The fact is that Jesus is making it very clear to them that they have uh, the, the perfect way of knowing the answer to their own question. They shouldn't have asked this question. They should have known something, you know, for the first time, maybe they meet him, they would not know, but many of these people have seen him before a number of times and have heard what he said. They simply need to observe the facts, observe the facts that are known about Jesus of Nazareth and and then to, to uh, investigate his lineage, if you will. What tribe is he from? You know, he came from Galilee. Does that mean he's from the tribe of uh, Nephali or, or some of the others from the northern part? If he is the anointed one of God, he has to be from the tribe of Judah. Find out. And the next thing is they need to consider his words, the words he has spoken, words that, and things that he knew and said that no one could know or say. And then how about the miracles? See, all of this confirms the whole concept that I'm trying to push here, that this idea of known is they have, they've ignored their responsibility and they want him to... What is it they want him to do, I wonder? Open up the sky and show them heaven and God sitting on his throne and and speaking to them so they would know for sure. You know, I don't think they would all believe it even then. But here's the point. We have a responsibility. This verse shows a, a very grave responsibility that each person has to know. These people were not seekers of God. They were simply living in the shadow of the presence of God from the temple area. They, they were not engaged. They were not seeking. And what does the Bible say about seeking? Without faith. Without faith, uh, you cannot please God. You must seek him in that same verse, uh, Hebrews 11:6, 6. Uh, you must seek God to find him. Now, I know this goes against uh, general principles, if you will, of uh, Christendom, like where God's going to snatch us away and discover us and, and all of this. But why, if that's the case, why doesn't the Bible say that? anywhere well it doesn't because we are to seek our God we are to in their case they were to seek the facts concerning this one that was speaking in the way he was speaking to make certain in their mind that um, if they thought he was a f- false they could have they could have uh, tried to prove it <clears throat> so all of these words uh, for known is that word, in, in, this, in this sentence, O.D., with, with, the, with the concept of um, having of observing. Perception through observation. See, that's not the strongest form of know. The strongest form of know is when Jesus knows his Father. Okay, that's the strongest Greek word. I think it's uh, Gienko, Um, and then there's one more. But and there's some references, there's some other uh, ideas there in these words. Uh, Depends how they're used in a sentence. So you got to look at it closely. We need to look at it to know ourselves, as I'm making very clear here, and they needed to do the very same thing. Investigate his lineage. Consider his words and miracles. That was their, their, uh, their, uh, their job. Now let's read on, friends, um, and see what else. This is ba- a back and forth conversation. It doesn't announce who it is that's speaking on behalf of the group. <laughs> but it probably is a Pharisee or one of the, uh, the high uh, priests of the area. Let's look at verses 20 through 25. And if you're reading along with me, I'm reading from the Young's Literal Translation, which seems to do a very good job in the grammar department. Um, These sayings spake Jesus in the treasury, teaching in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Now, let's just consider this for a second. You know, um, the fact that he had not been taken really was a puzzlement to the people that were there because nobody really got away with this sort of um, (laughs) rebellion in, in, in the word that they would use or being a seditionist. You know, that's what the Jews accused Jesus of, being a seditionist. That's what he was crucified for. And uh, that was the case at this time, but they were not able to do what they wanted to do. It makes it very clear. His hour had not yet come. We know that. But it also tells us where he's at at this time. It ties it all together with the the chapters, uh, the previous Um, so we know that this is a continuing uh, conversation. Verse 21, Therefore said Jesus again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and in your sin you shall die. Whether I go away, you are not able to come. The Jews therefore said, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whether I go or whether I go away, you are not able to come. You see, they didn't think there was any place that they couldn't go. Thinking as mere men. Verse 23 And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You're of this world, of this creation. I am not of this world. By the way, that rather uh, takes away the whole concept of where Jesus came from, too, doesn't it? Um, Jesus said clearly, he was before the Father, before the creation. He is not of this creation. He is from above, not from beneath. Interesting words he's using. I say therefore to you that you shall die in your sins, for if you may not believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now that was a powerful statement. And we'll talk about it. Verse 25, their response. They said therefore to him, Thou, who art thou? And Jesus said to them, even what I did speak of to you at the beginning. Let's stop there. He goes on, but we can stop there and look at these things. Now, verses 20 and 21, Jesus is speaking in, in a spiritual sense. The 20, it just tells us where we're at, but e- even the idea of because his hour had not yet come certainly is not a temporal thought. Because he could have been overpowered, you know, but it was not to be. And then in in, um, uh, in 21, of course, he makes the accusation about they will not be able to find him when he is gone, but they remain firmly in the temporal way of thinking. It doesn't seem they're even trying to follow uh, where he's going with this what are you talking about and here I think would have been a, a very good time for them to ask some questions that would help them instead of simply putting out these these uh, short questions that are ac- uh, are accusing in their nature and challenging. Um, And they're very general, too. I mean, they're not very specific questions. Far too general. They're just, you know, certainly that's why I'm saying. How about some good questions uh, uh, about this? I think it would have been very helpful to them. So Jesus, because they're not asking, he is going to have to explain it to them. All right. Jesus is teaching them great spiritual truths here about him going away and, and they might seek him and they will die in their sins. But why would they die in their sins? You see, they went every year and had their sins forgiven. And he says, Whether I go you are not able to come. And they don't like that that phrase. To them, this is a man telling them they can't do something. And that, of course, that brings the hair up on the back of their neck. So, here um, here we find something I think is very, very powerful. Now, verse 24. The statement, you must believe that I am he. Well, who was that? Who is the I am he?
0: Uh, the one spoken of in prophecy.
1: Right. And every everyone there knew what he was referring to at this time. If they would not have known in, in their minds and hearts, who he was speaking of at this time, he wouldn't have said that. Remember, he knows what they're thinking. He knows their abilities. So you must believe it. Now, they know who the the Messiah is. They know a lot about the Messiah. Uh, They haven't done their due diligence uh, here, but nonetheless, they studied it all the time because they were looking forward to this time. But he's saying they must believe that I that he he is that Messiah. He is the anointed one of God or the anointed one of Israel. That's the Old Testament terminology. Their savior, their redeemer. Job called Jesus the re, my redeemer. My redeemer in the Hebrew or else now here's the other the other half of it they need to believe that he is the messiah they need to believe that he has been sent from god or else they will die in their sins to me this is this should be very a lot of motivation here to find out who this person is make sure But um, instead of that, they, are, they simply respond with another short question that basically should have already been answered in their minds, uh, with, in their own ability, in their own observation and perception. They're still saying, Who art thou? Who art thou? as it says um, in verse 25. Thou, who art thou? And what was Jesus' response? His response was to not just lay out uh, points one, two, three, and four. No. He says, even what I did speak to you in the beginning. In what beginning? In the beginning when he was starting to speak to them In this way. As a matter of fact, we could... You know, almost the whole Gospel of John is the beginning of Jesus speaking uh, to the Jews, but just in reference, uh, let's look at... uh,
0: At this point, it was getting redundant.
1: Well, yes. On their part, it certainly was. Yeah. And Jesus, not really criticizing them, but simply wanting them to think about what he had already said. Because what he had already said was the truth of the matter. Who art thou? Remember, what did I say? So let's look at, in chapter 6 of where we were at not too awful long ago. Verse 44 through 48. Here's what it says. Jesus speaking again to the Jews that were murmuring... Uh, with each other. He says, No one is able to come unto me if the Father who sent me may not draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. Now remember we talked about the Father drawing. The Father draws by the the idea of the knowledge that we're talking about here. The edu, the observation, the perception. That's the Draw. It's not a cosmic draw that zaps you out of your life into uh, some cosmic thing that all of a sudden you know everything. That's what some would think, uh, try to teach. That's not happening. Uh, the Greek word makes it very clear what that draw is. It's not drag, it's draw. And then Jesus said, I will raise him up in the last day, which is more of the, more of the story. <laughs> that they're not ready for yet. For Verse 45, we're going through 48. It is, it is having been written in the prophets, this is the confirmation, and they shall all be taught of God, everyone therefore who heard from the Father and learned cometh to me. Not that anyone hath seen the Father except he who is from God, he hath seen the Father. Now, who would that be again that'd be the one speaking wouldn't it that's what he's already said of himself verily verily i say unto you he who is believing in me hath life aged during or without end verse 48 i am the bread of the life all right now that's a pretty good answer right there if they were thinking about what he said then at another time, by the way. Now, uh, let's look at, uh, skip ahead where Jesus is speaking to his apostles sometime later, not too, too awful much later, a number of months, actually. In John 14:6, 6, a very familiar verse, in, in response to the apostles and, and their questions, mostly about showing them the Father and things of that sort. Jesus saith unto him, that is um, to uh, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one doth come unto the Father if not through me. Now these are the words that the Jews needed to believe in. These are only a few. I'm just giving you a few here. Read these passages. Jesus sprinkles this all the way through to make his point. And here's the the point of it. If you're looking at it as a debate, what is the opposition to his comments that he has been sent from above? uh, I don't hear any opposition or read any opposition. Okay, so we're, we're, we're dealing with something here that uh, Jesus is making the task, the task of knowing who he is to be a task that they need to be interested in. You don't, you think God doesn't demand that he is sought? Now, here, Now Jesus is demanding that they seek to know him to know the Father. And he's not being bashful about it. Use your mind. Use your, your perception. Use what the things that you can observe, even in the temporal way, and then witness the miraculous powers of God to confirm the fact that this person is truly sent from God. And who was that person? The Jews knew. The prophets all spoke of the one to come from Moses all the way through. He would be the one, the anointed one of Israel, from the lineage of David, to be the king of the Jews. Of course, that was another confusing point. You know, the Jews, when they thought of a king, they thought of a man. They should have always thought of God. Interesting that in... Chapter 14 and verse seven, that word no that he uses with his disciples is that strongest form of no
0: That's it's right. almost the same it's almost the same phrase just a little different audience, little different yeah. circumstance
1: That's what so he says if you had yeah but but they have but because of their their observation <laughs>
0: because, you know, they be- have no excuse because they knew the son, they right. knew the Father.
1: Right, Peter's confession. Jesus made it clear that he did not learn that from men. He learned that from God Himself. You see, yeah, that's yeah. the no. That's the no that we're talking about. Yeah. I think that the text
0: here is doing a pretty good job uh, of of making something difficult to understand or write about possible, because you know this arrogance shown by the Jewish leaders is it is you know arrogance because they refuse to even let the conversation advance past the point of the most basic you know level of understanding. They, they just simply uh, will not acknowledge what it is that he's telling them. Yeah. And, and, and so the only way I can I can see that happening in my mind is if they're just talking down to him the whole time, regardless of what he says or does, they come back with the same thing.
1: Well, those that are no, opposition, right? Yeah, they're they that's right. They're trying to stall it, um, and they're tr- they're looking for some sort of an answer.
0: <laughs> uh, and that's exactly what people do now. That's exactly how people yeah. are when they're trying to dismiss you. It's very effective.
1: And Jesus came up against this many times. He was. He was told that that uh, they'd listen to him if he performed a miracle okay and he made the statement of that the Jews require a sign and the Greeks demand knowledge you know uh, he wasn't going to give them a sign unless it was he would unless it was ordained from God to do so so. You know, all of this gives me the idea, it has an overview to me, of the grave responsibility that man has in seeking God, in seeking the things of God, which of course will include the Son of God and all that there is to know of God. And if you know the things of God in the Bible, you'll also know all of the important things to do with man himself and everything else when it comes right down to it that has a real importance because when you know the things that have been given in the scriptures when you understand the nature of God and the nature of the Son of God and, and all of these things then you have prepared your mind and heart to make decisions in your own life you know you might look in the Bible for an answer to a question that you got right now about something you need to do or shouldn't do. You're not going to find it printed out. But what is it that causes you to make a proper decision? Without the background, I mean, that's what you know. parents are supposed to train their children so they can think for themselves. Isn't that the idea? Uh, raise them up raise them up uh, in the knowledge and admonition of God, and when they're old they will not depart from it, is one of the statements made. It's a comfort, It's, it's a background, it's a stability that we need. And without that, we are pretty much stumbling in the dark. But Jesus is causing them to Think for themselves and answer their own questions in a lot of ways here, but He continues with them. He continues to speak to them, and let's look at verses 26 and 27. Now I'm breaking it up like this because I think it—I don't want to just pass over these things without really expressing some uh, some thoughts. Many, <clears throat> excuse me, many things I have to speak concerning you and to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I, what things I heard from him, these I say to the world. Verse 27, very important verse, listen to this. They knew not that that of the Father he speak or spake to them. You see the problem here? He called. He caused them to believe. He's telling them they must believe, but, but they're not believing yet because they don't believe that he is speaking on behalf of the Father. If they did, if they really believed that, of course they would listen to him.
0: If they just entertained the idea like Nicodemus did. Right. He, he didn't... He, he he had a, a, had an understanding because he saw and heard the things he was doing and thought, well, that's a logical explanation.
1: That's just what he said, wasn't it? it is, it's obvious that no man could do the things you do and say the things you say unless he had been sent from God. That's what Nicodemus said. Now, if it's obvious to him, of course, we can't expect it'll be obvious to everyone. But this is the condition. If, read the parable of the, of the uh, sower and the different kinds of ground that the seed falls upon. And uh, I have a sermon on that. And the, the concept is, friends, that we that want to live in the thorns, we want to live there. Uh, and we will allow those thorns to choke out the truth of God's word. So, the idea is we are responsible for ourselves. Again, it is our duty. Now, Jesus the Son speaks and does the will of the Father as an obedient son. That's what he's saying here. He who sent me is true. And they know who the he is. And I, what things I heard from him, these I say to the world. In other words, he's making it clear these aren't just, uh, these aren't his teachings or someone else's teachings. All of his teachings come from he who sent me. And he's doing this as an obedient son. Not as I might add this just for argumentation, not as the second, the second God of the Trinity. Now, does that make any sense to you? You know the Trinity. Read, read the Creed. Each God of the Trinity, and of course there would be three, using that terminology, uh, would have equal power, equal holiness, equal, equal, equal. Well, equal until you divide. Three, and you get your wrists run on mathematical problem you have. So, is that what Jesus is saying here? He's saying just the opposite. He's making it clear that his Father, his God, has sent him to speak the words that he would have us know. And he is subject to them as they. Of course, he's without sin, <clears throat> which is something they, they find realized later. You see how this works, and you see how doctrines such as I've been told, well, it's a, it's a harmless thing. Well, it's not harmless, because it takes a verse like this and make, it makes it seem like Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's lying to them.
0: Never mind what it does to his status as a high priest.
1: That's right. He can't be the things he is if he is equal to the Father in the way that we look at equal, okay? Now, our thinking may be a little off here, just saying. And that's where these doctrines come from. You know, I think really in a lot of ways the Trinity may be man's attempt to try to bring a worship method to the Father and the Son and the Spirit of God in a way that they weren't asked to do. If they would just worship the Father as he, as he should be, according to his words, we wouldn't be having these things. But he, Jesus can't be the obedient Son and an equal God in, in all, that, all that there is. That's what I'm saying. We cannot have both. Well, you know what? I'm sticking with the scripture. I hope you do too. All right. Now truly they knew not that he came out of the Father. <clears throat> they they just they just didn't believe it yet. They didn't believe it yet. And Obviously, Jesus believes that some some will though I mean he's there for this very purpose to speak to them and do things for uh, in their presence that they will accept God's offer of salvation through the blood of the Savior the Redeemer because that is how sin will be removed that is how God's promise will be fulfilled his promise of of forgetting the things that were, putting the sins that were and they go away forever. That's why Jesus said you will die in your sins if you do not believe in me. Let's look at the last two verses. Uh, Verse 28 through 30. Jesus therefore said to them, when you may lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And of myself I do nothing, but according as my Father did, teach me these things I speak. By the way, does the second person in the Godhead need to be taught? Just, just want you to think about these words. These things I speak. Verse 29, And he who sent me is with me. The Father did not leave me alone, because I, the things pleasing to him, do always. That's the obedient son. Verse 30, and this is a wonderful verse, because these words were very powerful. And as, he is speaking these things many believed in him so there may be some that are not believing but apparently are, there are many that were believing in him when he was saying these words I think that's incredible now Jesus is giving them a little key here in verse 28 about being lifted up I'm going to read what he said to Nicodemus John 3 14 through 18. Now remember, Jesus has been talking about uh, being born anew, born from above to Nicodemus, right? They've been having that conversation. And then in verse 14, we find Jesus says this to Nicodemus. And as Moses did lift up the the serpent in the wilderness... So it behooveth the Son of Man to be lifted up. Now what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel had sinned and were being punished by being bitten by vipers and dying, they lifted up a viper on a pole and they all had to go towards it to be forgiven. And um, uh, I forget the, the whole account. Uh, but it's right after the uh, giving of the tablets and, and Moses coming down from the mountain and, and this. But this, uh, le- le- let's read on. Uh, that illustration of the serpent on the pole, Jesus is saying that the Son of Man will also be lifted up in, in like manner. And then he says that everyone who is believing in him may not perish but may have life aged during. For God did so love the world that his Son, the only begotten, he gave, that everyone who is believing in him may not perish, but may have life aged during. For God did not send his Son to the world that he may judge the world, but that the world may be saved through him verse 18 right he who is believing in him is not judged but he who is not believing hath been judged already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God so what is it they needed to believe in they needed to believe in God's anointed one God's way. Uh, they needed to reread the prophets and find out who this anointed one was, where he came from, what he was going to do, and all the things. Just, just imagine uh, the concept of Isaiah 56, that they all knew was a messianic prophecy. What did it mean? Well. Being lifted up on that stick, I think the Jews of that day understood that concept. That was crucifixion. So these words being what they were, all of the words that we've said today and probably even those before, caused a wonderful thing to occur amongst the group. Because it says, and I like how it says it, as he is speaking. In other words, this is happening at the time that he is speaking in the minds of many of them. They believed in him. And then the very next verse that we'll start with next week. Jesus therefore said unto the Jews who believed in him. Did he understand? Of course. He, he knew the ones that were believing and the ones that weren't. If you may remain in my word truly, my disciples, you are, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now that was the promise to the believers. The idea of universal salvation through, through Christ is a falsehood because it only pertains to those believing in him those that are born from above and the apostles spent many years of their lives teaching forming the churches and, and putting forth God's terms of pardon to the people that they may become those very ones that the truth will make them free so I hope these, uh, these words have been useful to you today and uh, in your conversation with others on this subject, for it is indeed powerful unto salvation. So we will be praying then and that uh, until we meet again that you'll be busy about your affairs and your work for, for your Creator. And we do pray it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.